Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi there, I'm Cindy Linden and this is the Cook Along Podcast. Today we're going to make scones, which is a little bit remarkable because I don't actually usually like scones. I want to like scones. I, I look at them and they look beautiful and they look lovely with the fruit and really tempting and whatever. And, and then I try them and they're dry and crumbly and taste like cardboard to me most of the time. And I'm always hugely disappointed. That's not what we're making today. I have two scone recipes and needless to say, under the circumstances, they are both uh, maybe a little moister than some and they have nice flavor to them and a nice texture to them. And they don't have to be choked down with uh, a liquid like coffee or tea, which is the way I feel about the other ones. Today's one is an adaptation. I guess I need to come up for a name with it. It's, it's an adaptation from a recipe that was in the All Recipes magazine in February of 2020. It was called Grandma Johnson's Scones because the person who put it in, this was her grandmother's recipe. I have modified it. I've added some stuff and we're going to cut it in half, which will provide some interesting information as we go because for instance, the original recipe has only one egg in it. So we're going to have to have the egg and that's doable. And I will talk about how to do that. Your list of ingredients should be things you probably already have on hand. Well, maybe, or maybe not. So here's your list. You need an egg, one egg. You need half a cup of sour cream. I'm going to use a reduced fat sour cream, partly because I think it's just as good as the real thing and partly because it's what I have in the house. You need a half a teaspoon of baking soda, two cups of regular flour, a half a cup of white sugar, a teaspoon of baking powder, half a teaspoon of salt, an eighth of a teaspoon of cream of tartar. That one could be tricky. You may not have that in your house. It's the kind of thing you make meringues with. It's just a white powder that I use maybe once every two years. I use a half a teaspoon or a quarter teaspoon of it. And uh, let's see, half a cup of butter and then a half a cup of raisins if you like them. You can leave these out if you want to. You could replace them with dried blueberries or with dried cranberries. And now that I'm thinking about that, I may make a mix of those. Maybe we'll see when I get there, but I have dried cranberries and dried blueberries and raisins. So 
it'll be difficult for me to decide. So maybe I'll use all of them. I don't know. And then uh, you need a quarter of a teaspoon of vanilla, a quarter of a teaspoon of cinnamon, and an eighth of a teaspoon of nutmeg. This will make eight scones. Not huge ones, but it's enough for, you know, a single breakfast party if, if everybody just has one or two. There are two other things you could use. If you have any whipping cream in your house, if you have like a tablespoon of heavy cream or whipping cream, we would brush some of that on the top to just sort of improve how they look. And the other thing that can be done to improve how they look is to sprinkle them with a coarse sugar. I had a terrible time finding coarse sugar. It seems like something bakers use all the time. And when you go to a bakery and you buy a cookie, a lot of the time they'll have extra coarse sugar on the top. I couldn't for the life of me find it in my grocery stores. And so finally I resorted to looking online and didn't really find what I was looking for online either, but did find something called sparkle sugar, which Interestingly enough, I got at Michael's Craft Store, and it's pretty cool. It's large pieces of sugar, and they do actually sparkle, and they come in a sort of large plastic shaker jar. It's kind of fun to use, and it does make things look pretty. So, you know, if you don't have those things, you can just use regular sugar, or you can leave it off altogether. I am one of the people who will always sprinkle something with sugar of any kind if I'm offered the opportunity to do that. So now on to the do-aheads. First, I should tell you that you can find the list of ingredients and the do-aheads and the pictures of the finished product at my website, which is thecookalongpodcast.com. I want to also say for those of you who are SoundCloud followers that the website, if you haven't visited it, I really do recommend you should because there's a lot of information there that never makes it onto SoundCloud because it's just written. So I have a series of blogs that are, I think, of course, I think, fascinating about little things like salt, vanilla, oven temperatures, tools for your kitchen, uh, how to stir your flour before you use it. Just little tiny short articles all of them, I think, just really cool. I wrote them because I found them interesting. And they're the kind of tips that a mom might say to their kid when their kid calls. That a kid might call and say, Mom, how did you do thus and such? Or why would I do it this way? Because it says in the recipe to do something I don't understand. Those blogs are the answers to those kind of questions. And... This way you'll know about them ahead of time. And you could share them with your own kids and pass them off as your own. How's that? If you have a pastry cutter, a pastry blender or cutter, it's like, uh, what does it look like? Well, if you have one, you know. And if you don't have one, you'll, we'll just use a couple of knives because we have to do some something called cutting the butter in. And I'll get to that in a bit. But if you have your pastry cutter, get it out. I have to go down to the basement for my cream of tartar. That's how rarely I use it. Not only that, but I apparently, oh yeah, there it is. I keep it in a place that's even hard to find. That's how rarely I use this. By the way, I'm a spice addict. Now, to be fair, I should disclose that I work in a spice store, which certainly exacerbates the problem, but I have 
a kitchen full of spices and my overflow is down here in my basement where I have, let's see, one, I have one, two, three, four, five, six rows of two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I have 42 spices down here in racks and some in a whole, whole bunch, a bunch of bags worth of spices, plastic refill bags. And then I have like little tiny milk crates full of bottled things. And then I have behind that, the big jars of spices that won't fit in any of these trays. If that sounds like a lot, I, I'm not counting the 36, 64, 64 jars I have in my kitchen in one location. And then I have a turntable full of more of them. It's a double tiered turntable full of more of them. And now I'm walking into our family room here and opening the cupboard because here's where I have my giveaway spices. And I have, oh boy, boxes and boxes, jars and jars. So there is at least twice as much stuff here in the giveaway closet as what I described to you on my own shelves down here in the basement. Crazy. It's crazy. And, and you know, the interesting thing is, just like the cream of tartar, if you don't have it, you, you, what are you going to do? You're stuck. So even though I may use those things only rarely, I, I do get to all of them eventually. All right. If you've cooked before with me, you know that I tell you to do as I say, not as I do. So I have my containers of things out, but I haven't measured things out of them yet. So we're going to start with the flour and you're going to stir up. Even if it's in a bag, you need to kind of stir it up because gravity and the sides of your container are compacting it. And if you just scoop it out or even spoon it out, it'll be too dense. So stir it up first. That's called aerating the flour and then take a spoon and scoop the flour into your measuring cup so that it's just kind of lightly sitting there. And use the handle of the spoon to scrape it off level at the top. And then repeat that. We have to do that two times. I think I'm going to have to stop and open a new package of flour. Maybe. Maybe it's going to come out right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. Now I'm going to be about an eighth of a cup short. Okay, so I'm going to turn this off and go fill my flour container. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay, I'm back. Oh, but now flowers everywhere. Oh my gosh, and getting worse. I have a uh, large plastic container with like a snap-on lid that holds almost exactly holds 10 pounds of flour. Unfortunately, when you put it in because it's so close, that means that some flour doesn't go in. I really do have it. I have it all all over now. All right, two cups of flour, and then I'm gonna have to, oh, I think I'm gonna have to stop and clean up. Sorry, back in a mo. All right, moving on. I think I'm thinking about calling these, you pick fruit. How about you pick the fruit? You pick the fruit scones. That's what I'm going to call them. With like you pick, you know, like when you go out to pick berries and it says you pick. So just the letter U. You pick the fruit scones. That's what I'm calling them. You were here in the moment when this was decided. Okay, backward up the list a little. Your egg. Get a little bowl and crack your egg into the bowl. Make sure you don't get any shell in there. Oh man, I'm dropping that on the counter too. It's gonna be one of those days. All right, then you need a fork and you're just gonna whisk the egg together, scramble it. What you're doing is scrambling it. Get it as scrambled as you can. For a while, it's gonna, the yellow and the white are gonna stay separate. You wanna kinda scramble it to the point where the white isn't separate anymore which takes a little bit. And the reason for this is because you want a little bit of both parts of the egg when we pour out half. We're only gonna use half of this. This is how you use half an egg. The whites are kinda stubborn. You have to be pretty aggressive with them. So we're gonna whisk that and then get yourself a larger bowl. So we need a small bowl for the egg and the sour cream. And then you need a big bowl for where we're gonna make the scones. All right, now pour what looks like about half of your scrambled egg into 
a bowl that's going to be big enough to accommodate the egg and the sour cream. The other half of the egg you can throw out. You can put it down your sink. You can put it in your compost bin. You can put it in your refrigerator with some plastic wrap over the top and wait to add it to some scrambled eggs in the future. I don't know what you might do with it, nor do I care. Sorry, but it's true. You can do whatever you want with that half egg. The one I care about is the half you just poured into the bowl. We're going to add to that egg your half cup of sour cream. So the other thing that goes into this egg and sour cream mixture is a little vanilla. Put in a quarter of a cup of vanilla. Excuse me. Oh, Lordy, don't do that. A quarter of a teaspoon of vanilla. This can be any kind of vanilla you got. Imitation vanilla is fine. And I can tell you why, but I won't. I'm going to make you go look at it on my website. There's a blog about that too. And it's fascinating. It's really fascinating about imitation vanilla versus regular vanilla. Find it on the website, thecookalongpodcast.com. I really do think you should go look it up. You'll save yourself a ton, a ton of money that way. A quarter of a sour cream's got a little acid in it. That's what makes it sour. So the other thing that goes into this egg and sour cream mixture is a little vanilla. Put in a quarter of a cup of vanilla. Excuse me. Oh, Lordy, don't do that. A quarter of a teaspoon of vanilla. This can be any kind of vanilla you got. Imitation vanilla is fine. And I can tell you why, but I won't. I'm going to make you go look at it on my, on my website. There's a blog about that, too. And it's fascinating. It's really fascinating about um, imitation vanilla versus regular vanilla. Find it on the website, thecookalongpodcast.com. I really do think you should go look it up. You'll save yourself a ton, a ton of money that way. Stop insert. Second insert. Now, to these dry ingredients, you want to add a quarter of a tea. So what we're going to do now is add the baking soda. This is the baking soda. That's the salty stuff that you can use the clean pans with, which, by the way, if you haven't seen my blog about that, there's a blog about how to get your pans clean in the cookalongpodcast.com's blogs. It's fabulous. You might look for that if you have trouble getting your pans clean. So baking soda, you want a half a teaspoon, and you're going to add it to the sour cream and the egg. And the sour cream and the baking soda are going to react a little bit together. That will help your scones rise. Now you need to whisk them together. You can either use a whisk if you have one, or you can just use the fork that we were using to scramble the eggs, which is what I'm going to do. Whisk them together. Until it's all mixed up. You know, it's weird because this is raw egg in here, but it looks really good. It looks like a... I don't know what it looks like. It looks like I should eat it, but I know I shouldn't eat it. I'm not going to eat it. So there we go. Now, in a larger bowl, and this is the one you're going to dump everything into, so big enough, and then you also have to be able to cut your butter in there. And if you've never done that before, don't panic. I'm going to tell you how to do it. But we also need to be sure there's room enough in the bowl to be sort of splashing things around. 
So into the larger bowl, you pour the flour you measured out and your half a cup of white sugar and a teaspoon of baking powder. I use the kind with no added aluminum. Most baking soda has aluminum in it. I just don't like thinking about that, so, so I don't use it. Teaspoon of baking powder. All going in with the flour. This is the dry ingredients now. Half a teaspoon of salt, which I take out of the salt shaker on top of my stove. I just unscrew the lid. It's just the way I do it. It's closest and easiest salt. To these dry ingredients, you wanna add a teaspoon of cinnamon and an eighth of a teaspoon of nutmeg. That's not a lot of either one. It's just enough to give it some excitement, some boost. And then the cream of tartar. And this is just a tiny little bit. It's an eighth of a teaspoon. And that goes into the mix. And then we're gonna stir that up. All the dry ingredients are getting stirred together. Now your butter. So this is a half a cup, which in most cases is one stick of butter. It's probably good if it's still hard, but you might want to soften it just a little. I'm going to soften it just a little. So I'm putting my wrapped cube of butter into my microwave oven. I'm setting my power level, which has 10 levels. I'm setting it at two and I'm going to microwave it for 30 seconds at two. A lot of people will tell you not to soften your butter by microwaving it. I'm not a patient person who's gonna set it aside in the middle of a project and just put everything on hold while I wait for an hour for my butter to warm up. So I use my microwave, there you go. All right, that will be plenty. Now when you take it out, if you did this with me, you'll notice it has just a tiny bit of give to it, but not a lot. If I wanted to actually soften the butter, I would have turned it over, this time with the, you know, the bottom of the wrapper where it opens, side up, and I would have repeated that exact process of 30 seconds at level two. But it's easier to do this if it's a little hard. So take that whole half cube of butter and put it into the bowl with the dry ingredients. All right, now, if you have a pastry cutter, which is a gadget that looks like, oh golly, I still don't know what it looks like. It's got one, two, three, four, five sort of ridges that act as knives and it's on a curved thing like brass knuckles <laughs> and you hold onto the handle and you chop it down and it, and it slices the butter. And the advantage here, I guess, over knives is that it does five slices at a time. If you do not have one of these, Get two regular table knives. And I'll do this for a bit so you can hear what it sounds like because I think that's a giveaway as to what's happening. So you take your knives and you hold one in each hand, sharp side down, and you cut across the butter as though it was a steak or something like that. But you're cutting with both sides and you just keep doing that and the knives touch each other. Can you hear that? So what you're doing, this is called cutting the butter, cutting the butter into the flour. Each time you go past with the knife, 
you're making the pieces of butter smaller. All right, now that you've heard that, I'm gonna go back to my pastry cutter for a bit, which may or may not be easier. It's just, this one, you just push down and it makes little pieces and they all get stuck in the, sort of the tines of this gadget. You could go find a picture, that's what it is. If you think you might want one of these, I don't use it very often, but it's kind of nice to have when you do need one. And you know, if you just Google pastry cutter, you'll see pictures of these things. That way you'll know what you're looking for. And while I'm sure you can buy them on Amazon, I'm not gonna recommend that you do that at this point, because I think, uh, I shouldn't perhaps be voicing my political positions on here, but I think Amazon does not need our help to make any more money right now until they sort of straighten up their act and take better care of their employees. We're cutting the butter, cutting the butter in, and we're gonna do that in whichever method you got. See, I have to go back to the knives anyway to scrape the stuff off the pastry cutter and get it back into the flour. You're gonna keep doing this until the butter is so small and so coated in flour that it looks like sort of coarse uh, crumbs. I don't know how else to say it. Smaller than peas, bigger than salt. How's that for specific? As as close as I'm gonna get. So just keep doing this until it's all kind of mixed in. It's not taking all that long. They're about pea size now. That's not bad, that didn't take very long. And now I'm gonna get them just a little smaller than that. Maybe by then I will have come up with a good comparison for you. So I gotta clean it off again with the knife. Less and less of it'll start to stick to things as it gets more coated with the flour. So let me tell you what we're doing, or why we're doing this. How about that? As we're working here. These little pieces of butter, they're sort of like pockets or bubbles in the dough. So they're coated in flour, so they'll stay butter-like. They're just tiny, so they'll disperse themselves among the batter. But they make sort of these little bubbles, tiny, tiny bubbles of butter in the baked product, which moistens the dough. And of course adds flavor. All right, I'm gonna call that good. And I have absolutely no better explanation of size than I've already given you. So there you go. That's the best you're gonna get from me today. Now, we're gonna take the sour cream mix which has started to foam, because I told you they would react together, right? So that it's not like it's foaming on top. When you start to touch it and scoop it out, you'll see that it's developed a sort of aerated quality to it, which is really just, I, I think it's really cool. I think it's cool. So we're gonna stir that in to the dry ingredients now. So scoop it all out of the smaller bowl into the bigger bowl and stir it. You don't want to overstir it. If you overstir it, you overstimulate the gluten. We don't want to do that. That makes it tough. So just until everything is kind of moistened. Now it should start to come together a little bit. If it doesn't, if it just really doesn't and just seems too dry, 
you can add a little milk to this. And it doesn't really matter what kind of milk it is. If you got plant milk of some kind or nut milk of some kind and you don't use dairy, that's fine. But don't add very much at a time. The most you're going to go to is a quarter of a cup in total. So I would add like a tablespoon at a time if it just seems way too dry. But if you keep stirring it, it's just going to get moist. You don't want it to completely come together until you've added the fruit. And that is the point we're at now. Here's where you get to choose because... It's the you pick the fruit scones. So the original recipe calls for raisins, as I said. I have, what have I got here? I've got dried cherries. I've got dried blueberries. I have dried cranberries. I have dried dates. Oh, I have a mixed berry blend of dried fruit. What's in there? Blueberries, cherries, cranberries. Blueberries, cherries, and cranberries. You know what? That's what I'm going to use. So pick whatever fruit it is, dried fruit you want to put in, and you want a half a cup of whatever it is. This is kind of fun. I have to tell you, I've only made it with raisins before. This is kind of fun. All right, and then put that into your batter, dough, whatever you want to call it, and stir those in. And this could be a point where it becomes easier to do it with your hands because we're gonna have to do that in a minute anyway. So actually, before you stick your hands in here, get yourself a surface, because we're gonna need to knead this just a little bit. Get yourself a surface that's clean and dry and sprinkle a little flour on it and then spread that around with your hand. So you've floured your surface. All right, now go back cleaning off my spatula with my fingers at this point because my fingers are going in here anyway because I can't get the berries to mix in just with the spatula. So now I'm doing it with my hands. I'm still in the bowl. Ah, yeah, pretty sticky. Pretty, pretty sticky. Now I'm going to move it over to the floured surface. And I have it, of course, all over my fingers now. So normally what I would want to do here is sprinkle the top with flour as well so that I don't get more on my hands. However, I already have it all over my hands. So having put it down now on this floured surface, what we can do is turn it over. So now it has flour on the top we're going to put our hands on as well as underneath. You want to keep track of how much flour stays on your surface. And then you just flatten it out so you got kind of like an oval or a circle and then fold half of it over the other half and press down with the heels of your hands, turn it around sideways, turn it, what is that, 45 degrees, fold it over in half again and press down. And you'll start to see as you're doing this some of those butter bubbles showing up. Now I'm spreading the flour around because with my hand again onto the surface because it's kind of starting to stick. Turn it again, another 45 degrees. Press down with the heel of your hand. Do it again. Turn it, fold it, press it. Turn it, fold it, press it. Turn it, fold it, press it. Now, it's still really quite sticky. I still have some flour on the surface of the board here. You probably do as well. Roll the dough around, get it coated in the flour. 
It may pick up most of what your flower is left. And then do again. You know what? I started to say do again a turn it, fold it, ro ro roll it, push it. But I am going to actually wash my hands here for a minute, as you can hear. Just enough to get the goopy parts off so I can get a little more flour. I don't want it to stick. This time I'm not going to scoop a lot of flour out. Just really going to scoop enough to sort of just barely sprinkle over the top. Just a little bit. That was probably more than I meant. Now, I'm again, I'm going to turn that to the bottom and I'm going to sprinkle again on the top. And then I'm going to do again, turn, fold, press down, turn, fold in half, press down, turn, fold in half, press down. This is essentially what you would do if you were needing bread or pizza crust or almost anything. Now you'll find that it starts to be less sticky. If yours is still sticky, you could sprinkle a little more flour on it. You're not going to hurt it. Yet yeah, mine needs a tiny bit more. It's starting to stick to the palm of my hand. Yep, yeah, I'll do it again. Turned it over so the flour side was down. Sprinkle a little more on the nuts now the top. Turn, fold, press. Turn, fold, press. What you want is for it to be nearly smooth so it's no lumpy anymore it seems like you know like dough smooth it's not that thing we had that mess we had in a bowl a minute ago okay now it's going onto your baking pan your sprayed baking pan so i'm going to flatten it out now you've got a circle flatten your circle out Until you have what looks like about eight inches. Now, how do we judge that? You know what? I don't have a clue. So I'm going to give you one. I have right here a tape measure. All right, I can tell you. For me, eight inches turns out to be the distance between the tip of my little finger and the tip of my thumb when my hand is spread as wide as, it, as I can spread it. I'm a five foot four inch female, so if your hand is smaller or bigger, you can just either make it bigger or guesstimate accordingly. The important thing is that it's about three quarters of an inch thick when you're done making your circle. So don't pat it down too far. You don't want it a tiny, thin, crispy thing. Now here is the point where the decorating comes in. So I have a lovely circle here. Actually, before we do any decorating, you want to take a knife, cut your dough in half, straight across. It's not going to separate easily or cheerfully. Now turn it perpendicular to that and actually spread, spread that apart a little bit. Give it a little space. You want a little space between them or they're just going to bake together again. Now cut in half the other direction so now you'll have four pieces okay my knife is just picking the dough up at this point because it's sticky 
All right, and then with your hands, because your, your cookie sheet hopefully is greased and this will help move them around a little bit, separate them again just a little bit. I know you had this beautiful, perfect circle and now it's not pretty anymore. Them's the cooking breaks. Now we have to do this one more time. I'm gonna clean off my knife with my fingers a little bit here. And then each of those triangles, you're gonna cut into half. So what you end up with is eight pieces, all with a tiny bit of space in between. Yeah, they don't really wanna separate. And when they do separate, they're no longer pretty. Trust me, they're gonna bake into something beautiful anyway. And taste is all that really matters, right? Right? Well, all right, maybe not completely because they have to look good enough to eat. <laughs> All right, I'm down to my last set. These look like they're bigger. How did that happen? I cut everything evenly. Okay, <laughs> that's interesting. They're all separated. You know what, I'm gonna take a picture and I'll have this to post on the website for you. All right, as I started to say a minute ago, this is the point where if you wanted to do so, you could put a little, spread it with a little whipped cream and or the sugar. So I happen to have some whipped cream, heavy whipping cream. You only need about a tablespoon's worth because there's not that much surface to cover here. So I'm pouring it out of the container into a little tiny bowl. I have these cool little, um, hmm, what would you call them? Finger bowls? Well, they're like, um, oh, I don't know. They're about an inch and a half across and they're silicone. And I use them to put little bits of oil or whatever into herbs. And then you just, if you have a pastry brush, mine is actually a paint brush. I bought it in the paint department. Just spread that whipping cream over the top of the scones. So this got a little fat in it and uh, we'll help them brown on the top, make them look golden and beautiful. All right, that's the whipping cream step. Except I feel like I should use up the whipping cream because I poured out too much and I can't pour it back in. So I'm going back over a second time just to use up the whipping cream, finding any spots I might've missed. Okay, now, the sparkle sugar. This is fun for me. I like this part. It's it's extraneous and and that makes it fun. <laughs> okay. And that is that. Now you put it in your preheated 400 degree oven where you're going to bake it until it's golden brown on the edges. Don't want to overbake it, but just a little starting to turn a little golden brown on the edges of each scone. That's gonna be 12 to 14 minutes. So start checking it at 12. Always start with the lowest time possible because you can't uncook something that's too far cooked. Into the oven she goes. I'm using a toaster oven. And when they are a little golden brown on the end, take them out and transfer them to a wire cooling rack, like a cookie rack, and let them cool. And then you're done. Now the only other thing I would say is if you are not gonna eat all of these on the day that you bake them, 
and or if you want to freeze them or preserve them in any way for any duration, be sure to really, really seal them up because like any scones, if they don't get protected, they will dry out and then they'll be like everybody else's scones. So wrap them in foil, seal the foil tightly, uh, put them in a Ziploc plastic bag that you squeeze all the air out of. This is whether you're gonna keep them on the counter or whether you're gonna put them in the freezer. They do freeze just fine if you seal them up this way. And that is today's recipe. I think you'll like these, but I suppose it depends on what kind of fruit you picked. Because <laughs> I can't promise that yours will be as good as mine. I can't even promise that mine will be as good as they have been in the past because I'm using a different kind of fruit than I ever have before. But it was fun to make, right? And the results will be eaten, don't you think? No matter how good or bad they are, the results will be eaten. So at this point, I'm gonna say, please visit the website for the pictures and the ingredient list and any comments. If you wanna leave me comments about the recipe, if you want to tell me what you did or share pictures of what you did, I would love that. That would be so cool. Thecookalongpodcast.com is where to visit. And I hope you'll poke around in there. I, I like it because I made it, I suppose. I find it interesting because I only post things that I think are interesting. But I'm hoping other people find them interesting as well. I hope you enjoy your scones. And until next time, happy cooking. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can make a contribution through the supporter link on every Cook Along podcast page or go to Kofi, ko-fi.com slash the Cook Along podcast. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening.